is the anointing something that um, you have to earn or you have to work up or you have to attain the anointing? Uh, when we say that word, and there's a lot of times there are words in Christianity, when you say them, they're really loaded words. There's a lot behind the word. And it can kind of freak people out. May have actually, Christians may have a bad frame of reference or a bad um, experience when they hear that word. And so sometimes in Christianity, when we say words, it can be easily something that is what well, we hear the word and we shut down. I don't want you to shut down this morning. I want the Holy Spirit to renew our, renew us in the spirit of our minds and to give us, to spiritually teach us what words mean in the word. And one of those words is anointing. And anointing is something that we see. Uh, I just want to say two things about the anointing. That number one, every believer, every Christian, if you've, if you've believed on Jesus Christ as your personal savior, then you have an anointing in your life. Why? Because the anointing is not something that comes from us, but it comes from the anointed one. Uh, the word for anointing in the Old Testament is masach, and I don't know if I'm saying that, if I'm massacring the word masach. Masach means uh, anointing, and it's actually where we get the word Messiah from. And masach, the first time that that word anointing is used is when we see it in Genesis chapter 28, when the pillar is being anointed by Jacob. Jacob is pouring out an anointing oil on the pillar. When we talk about when we talk about the anointing, every believer is anointed. Now, what does that mean? And, and I want to just kind of uh, bring that home to us. What does that mean for my daily life? What, how's that going to change my Monday? The anointing means this, is that in the Old Testament, that they, they would take an oil. And this oil was an oil that was made up of special ingredients. And this is the kind of oil that was sacred. It was a special recipe that was made up by uh, made up in the law of Moses and it could not be changed and it could not be counterfeited and it could not be altered in any way because this was whatever this oil touched it would sanctify if this oil touched something or a person it would set that person apart for the use of God for his eternal purpose so when we talk about the anointing we're talking about something really something incredible Every article in the Old Testament temple, in the temple of Mo, that Moses was instructed by God to build, and that the Levites, the tribe of Israel that had no portion in the land, their portion was the temple of the Holy Spirit, it was the temple, the temple of God. Every item in that temple needed to be anointed, and it could not be used in the temple if it was not anointed. Are you drawing the correlation between serving God walking with God and the anointing and the temple, that whatever we do, whatever we do in this new church that we're, you know, in this, this new area that we're in, um, we want to make sure that we understand our anointing. What is our anointing, my personal anointing? A lot of Christians don't know what their personal anointing is. And we see that in the life of Saul. We're going to look at that in a minute. Secondly, it says, the, the Word of God says, in 2 Corinthians chapter, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we, it is, it is God that has anointed us. God has anointed us. So the first thing that we're saying this morning is, is that if the anointing 
has come into contact with you, then you are set apart for the work of the Lord. The anointing oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit says, it says in the Greek, it says the Holy Spirit rushed in like a, like the word in the Greek, the Greek language is beautiful. It's the word, it's just like that the, the Holy Spirit rushed in in a very passionate way to come in and to, to come upon the disciples. It describes a passionate running of, of one that is in, in immense love with another. That it's like running across the airport, you know, at the, uh, at the arrival center. You see someone coming out of the arrivals, you know, and, and they're just running at each other. And they almost collide, you know, they almost collide in this, in this um, amazing word. And when we were singing that song today, some of the words like, my heart violently turns in my chest. I mean, these are words that you, that you hear in a type of Christianity where there's an anointing. The anointing is not something that is exclusively for one person or a very talented speaker or for some person who's done a lot of great things in their life. The anointing is on, everyone's, on every person's life. So we are anointed. We know that in 1 John 2.20 and verse 27. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The anointing is what sets you and I apart. It makes us different, right? Remember we said last week that when Mary poured out the, uh, the, the alabaster box over Jesus' head, poured it all out, the fragrance is there, and it's a fragrance that, le- that lasted seven days. That means that when Jesus is on the cross, his body is torn up to an unrecognizable mass of flesh, and he is there crying out, the clouds are darkened, lightning and thunder, the earth is quaking, and yet there is this sweet fragrance going up into heaven. Because Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. The anointing in a person's life is something that Paul describes to the Corinthians. It could be an aroma unto life for some, and it could be an aroma of death for others. When you look at your anointing, when you look at who you are in Christ, when you discover what your anointing is, and you get plugged into that, whatever that looks like in your life, and you're functioning in that, there's going to be an aroma in your life. You're going to walk around, there's going to be a smell. And the devil's going to smell you a mile away. Do you know that sharks can smell blood miles away? Isn't that amazing? Underwater, a shark can smell blood? I mean, that's fantastic. That's unbelievable. How far away can demons and the devil smell an anointing? Even farther. I mean, they can smell on the other side of the planet. That is why you and I are such a threat to the devil, because... The gate, we are the church of Christ, the called out ones, and the gates of hell cannot, and it says in the Greek, have no defense against the church. And so you're anointed. Now you say, well, I don't feel anointed. I feel like I've had a, I've had a crazy week. I've had a crazy morning. Uh, this has happened. That happened. This didn't happen. And I'm not feeling great health-wise. Um, things are kind of upside down. And I just want to say that anointing has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with feelings. The anointing happens when something in the tabernacle that was, sacrificed, that was set apart by the anointing in the Old Testament tabernacle, it came into contact with something else that was not sanctified and that was not set apart for the work of God. What happened to that item? Did it defile the anointed thing? It did not. We see this with Jesus. Jesus, everybody, the law of Moses says, don't touch the leper. Right? That's the law. The law has no power. 
The law can't change anybody's life. It just, it tells you guys, it tells you that has, you that have not sinned in that area, don't sin in that area, and don't touch that person who is sinning in that area. That's what the law of Moses says. But there's no transformation. We live in a Christianity today where it's a, it's a fan, being a fan of Jesus, but there's no discipleship, and there's no transformation in people's lives. Jesus goes, and what does he do? He puts his hand on the leper. He touches the leper. Why? Because the anointing that's in Christ, he, he is the anointed one, is much greater than leprosy. And guess, guess, who, guess, who, guess who infects who in that, in that contact? Jesus infects the leper with the anointing, with his holiness, with his transformational, who Jesus is, and that leper is healed. I just want to say this, that the anointing, whatever it comes into contact with, heals. One of, my, one of my favorite word studies in the Hebrew language is when I'm reading, I don't know if you guys are readers, but Girdlestone Synonyms of the Old Testament does a great job on two words here, the anointing and on sanctification. We hear a lot about sanctification. You've got to sanctify yourself. You've got to set yourself apart. You've got to work hard. Work hard on yourself. Yeah, that's all good. But if we understand that we are already set apart in Christ unto good works, unto the purpose of God, unto the eternal purpose of Christ that was purposed in Christ in John 20, 21, and Ephesians 3, 11. When we understand that, it's, it's for me, it's just, it's a, it's, it's, I want to say the word natural, but it's not natural, but it's the, it is a flow in my life. I'm walking in the flow. I want to close with this. This is just an introduction. Saul did not understand the anointing. Saul was a carnal leader. He was a man who had a position, who was anointed of God, but had no idea what he was all about and who he was. Can I dare say that this happens in Christianity all over the place? It can happen in our lives. We can be anointed of God for a mission. And I love how the English Standard Version deals with these verses. I don't have time to read them, but in 1 Samuel 15, if you're taking notes, look at verse 9, verse 17, and 19 through 22. And look at those verses and just see how Samuel, who's an anointed man, who's an anointed prophet, comes to Saul and says, Saul said, Saul was, was, was tasked by God to go and wipe out the Amalekites because what they did to Israel, as Israel's coming out of Egypt, the Amalekites come in behind them and they, they injure them, they hurt them, they kill, uh, they, they do much damage to these Israelites in their vulnerability. And so God had a, God had, God was going to deal with these Amalekites, the enemies of Israel. And, and Saul was the, was the man to execute that judgment. Saul doesn't do that. Because Saul doesn't understand who he is in the anointing. Saul thinks he's something else. He's in it for the glory. He's in it. He does half of a job. He goes, wipes out um, the, the Malachites, but keeps the king, Agag. And he keeps the best of the sheep. Why? Because the people put pressure on Saul. Saul, what, is, what does Samuel say? Samuel says, Saul, do you not know that you are anointed king over the tribes of Israel? Don't you know you're anointed? There's an anointing in your life. What happened to you, Saul? You're so ignorant of your anointing. And Saul says, well, I did, I did my best. Under the circumstances, the people kind of got the upper hand, and they, they took matters into their own hand, and they started, they started leading. But I did the best I could. But look, we got the, I got the king here. He's the king, and here's the best of sheep for sacrifice unto. And guess what he says? These words really scream out to me. 
for the sacrifice for your God, Samuel. For your God. Samuel, Saul, he's not your God. No, he's not. He doesn't understand who, who the Lord is. He thinks it's just Samuel. Oh, that's the pastor's God. That's not my God. That's the pastor's God. That's my mom and dad's God. Or that's my mentor's God. I don't know him like that. I want to finish. I just want to say this exhortation here. Guys, when the pressure comes on, we've all been there. I've been there. When the pressure comes on or when there is nothing, we don't hear the voice of God. And we're kind of like in this zone. Where am I? And we don't. And we've missed the point that we've been anointed by God for a task, for a mission. And this anointing comes. And anything that came into contact with God was anointed. It was set apart for God. That was the Sabbath was all about that. Why was the Sabbath holy? Because it's the Sabbath and we got to keep it? No. It's the Sabbath is holy because God is there resting. He's camping out there. That's the seventh day. God is resting there. That is our Sabbath. And that's where, and when we enter into that rest and we rest with God about our life, we rest with God about all the things that are happening in our life, then there is this, there's an anointing that we begin to protect. There's an anointing in the room today. There's an anointing during worship. You know something? When worship leaders take the time to prepare their hearts during the week, prepare their hearts before the service, be prepared, there's an anointing there. If I get up here and I'm just talking about sports and, and you know, the Houston, the Houston Rockets and whatever, um, and, and I'm just not, I'm like, like, I'm not ready, or I'm just dealing with a lot of details, and my mind is not quickened by God in the anointing, I'm not going to be giving you Christ. I'm going to be giving you um, spiritual fast food, which will fill you, but you're going to walk out and you'll be like, that was not, I don't sense an anointing there. Follow the anointing in your life. Surround yourself with people that live in the anointing. For me, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be raw honest here with you. I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm just one of these kind of pastors. And this may be for you. It may not be for you. Um, if God has 10 people for his church or if he has 10,000 people for his church. I don't. That's not for me an issue. I know some people really want to be a part of a very large church and say, yeah, I go to that big thing down the street, that big temple there, and that's where I go, and, and that's great. That's where God wants you to go. Um, I personally want to be surrounded with people that value the anointing, that know what it is, and that are not going to sell their anointing for a bowl of soup, or just say, you know something, I'm going to sell this anointing because I want a moment of pleasure. No, we have an anointing in our life, and this anointing is precious. It's very valuable, and it makes the difference. It's the anointing in the book of Isaiah that breaks the chains, that breaks the yoke. And you know something? This world is filled with religiosity where people are going to church. There's no anointing. There's no anointed word. There's no anointed people. Or there's anointed people, but they're not functioning in the anointing. And the word is anointed, but when we don't mix faith with it, there's, there's not that is not experiencing that anointing. And we don't want to be that kind of a place. So I just want to know, I want you guys to know that like, that when Jesus shows up in our midst, whether it's two people at a house church or if it's 200 people, when Jesus shows up, that's enough. Amen? I mean, I hope that's enough for you guys. And that's what we're all about. I can tell you about Evergrace is, is that there, we are 
We are about fellowship. We're about community. We're about fulfilling the Great Commission. We're about walking in the anointing. And don't grieve the anointing. This is the last thing I'll say. Don't grieve the anointing in your life. Um, ask yourself, is that my behavior, is this in, I don't want to focus here on behavior, but I want to, I do want to tell, tell us in Ephesians chapter 5, walk in your calling, walk in the love of Christ. And sometimes we need to go back to those times when we heard the voice of God speak to us, you know, like about, about a business idea or about a mission or about something that God put in your heart or a dream that you had as a kid. Uh, go back to that moment and think about, you know, something, I want to stir that up. I want to stir that up. I'm called. I'm walking in anointing. And it's not this, this is not about flesh and blood. This is not about money. This is not about fame and whatever. That all will pass away. What this really is is about Jesus Christ. And, and, and if we want the anointing, if we want the anointed one in our midst, we will have that. Follow the anointing. Seek the anointed out, the anointing out. And follow people that are walking in the anointing. The anointing is not emotions. Remember that. It's not spectacular. It is just an aroma of a life that has been laid down at the cross of Calvary. Because when we look at Jesus, we say, that is everything. He is everything. And I want to win Christ in ever grace, however that looks. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Let's just pray.